The following morning, I was woken up by the sound of an email arriving on my iPhone. As soon as I began to fumble down the side of the bed for it, I realized just how hungover I was. With every tiny movement, my brain slammed into the side of my skull, and my tongue was so dry you could have struck a match on it. When I finally managed to focus on the tiny screen, I saw the email was from Maria, sent at the unlikely hour of 7 a.m. Maria Rigoni, you sly bitch, I thought as I began to read. It had obviously been composed before she had turned up at the Connaught, and she had simply pressed send this morning before turning over and topping up her beauty sleep. I began to laugh, but it hurt so much I quickly stopped. The email contained a map of how to find Castle Beedale and details of my accommodation, what my salary was, she was right, it was very generous, and what uniform I was being supplied with. Castle Beedale was obviously an old-school kind of place, as I would be expected to wear the full monkey suit, traditional tailcoat, striped trousers, grey waistcoat, matching silk tie, and, best of all, white gloves. How very remains of the day. Things started to look up when I got to the part about my accommodation, the charmingly named Roseview Cottage. Judging by the name, I imagined a chocolate box cottage with roses around the door and a tiny two-ring arga in the beamed kitchen. But then I suddenly had the horrible thought that Roseview might just be 1950s prefab next to the cow sheds. I hoped to God it was the former and not the latter, because if Maria ever came to visit, she'd be calling for a cab back to London at the first whiff of cow shit. The email ended by saying that I needed to be at Castle Beedale by Friday lunchtime at the latest. It was now Wednesday, so it didn't leave me with much time to get myself organised. I dragged myself out of bed and padded barefoot through to the kitchen of my tiny flat. I had moved here when I started at the Lancia, and although it's only rented, I'm very attached to it. It's at the top of what once would have been a very grand house in Stanley Gardens, just a stone's throw from Portobello Road, and would have formed the servants' quarters when the house was built at the turn of the 19th century. Being in the attic, the ceilings sloped dramatically on either side of each room, causing most people to smack their heads at least once on their first visit. One whole wall in the living room was dedicated to my vast collection of framed Polaroid photographs. Most had been taken the summer I arrived in London, after I bought a vintage Polaroid in Portobello Road Market and became obsessed with documenting every aspect of my burgeoning social life. Many pictured me with people I no longer recognised, and some were of people I'd rather forget. But my absolute favourite was of Maria and me, impossibly young, tanned and semi-naked on a Greek beach. We had gone there the year we first met, and had lived off cheap beer and Greek salad for a whole week. She and I often remembered that holiday as being the best on record, and vowed to try to relive it in style one day. I stood, as I often did, transfixed by the wall of Polaroids as each tiny photograph brought vivid memories flooding back. Some were happy, some not so much, but those memories were the glue that bonded me to my life in London, and to this little rented flat. As I waited for my precious Garganau espresso machine to warm up, I gazed out of the small kitchen window at the private gardens below. I had watched the seasons change the face of the garden for five years, and felt a knot in my stomach at the thought of leaving it behind. As a kid, I had lived in so many different places that the idea of suddenly packing up all my things and moving house made me feel uncomfortable. But I knew deep down that I didn't really have a choice in the matter. Even so, there was always a chance that my new job wouldn't work out, 
And then what? If I gave the flat up completely, I'd have nowhere to come back to. And what would I do with all my stuff? I could hardly turn up on Friday with a removal van. I would have to find someone to look after the place and pay the rent for at least six months, until I knew whether or not I could hack it in deepest, darkest Sussex, and I knew just the person to call. I dialed Chris's number and waited for the ringtone to tell me whether or not he was in the UK. The familiar sound told me that he was on home turf, but after a few rings the call went to voicemail. Chris, it's your very favourite person here. At least I will be when you hear what I've got for you. Call me and I will reveal all. Bye. I hung up, knowing he wouldn't be able to resist a message like that. Chris and I had become friends many years.